How do we make an impact? There's a power inside of each believer, and it's the power of the living God. And God can use your life to make an impact in the world if you're submitted to him. But we need to change, our, we need to allow him to change our thinking and our habits so that our lives become intentional. We need to develop missional lifestyles, putting ourselves out there in faith so that God can work through us. And we've been challenged to lead questionable lives, to surprise people uh, with what we do and what we say. And, um, and that, when we do something different, that gives people, that gives us an opportunity to share our faith. So we've been learning from Michael Frost's Five Habits of Highly Missional People, and we've been going through the acronym BELLS, B-E-L-L-S, and we've covered B, which is BLESS, and um, hope you guys have considered this week how you were able to bless three people, and at least one of whom is not a member of this church. I won't ask you to raise your hand. But it is a call to be generous and to be kind and to think outside of your normal routine. And I was challenged um, by, by um, learning more about this, Ch challenged not to be rushing around and you know, stop and make time for people to get to know their needs and their fears and hopes so that God can work through me. So today we're talking about um, opportunities to let God use us through eating. And I understand that many of you have been really looking forward to the E. <laughs> Raise your hands if you enjoy eating by yourself. By yourself. Enjoy, uh, raise your hand if you enjoy eating with others. Raise your hand if you enjoy eating no matter what. <laughs> That's me, I love food. I, you know, I love cooking, I love trying new things, trying new cuisines. Um, and eating is such a central Christian practice. And hospitality has always been an important value in our faith. And why is that? You know, everyone does it. Part of being human. It's a, um, you know, different cultures have different traditions with it, and um, you know, everyone enjoys eating together, especially at important holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, or you know, in, important life events like weddings or even funerals. People enjoy eating together because, you know, we need to be together. And so, but when we're eating, it's you know, the eating itself is not inherently sacred. But when we take something that's so commonplace, like putting food in our mouths, and we give it to God. He can take that common activity and use that to impact the world mm -hmm. through us. 1 Corinthians 7, uh, 10, 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. I grew up in a small church, and, you know, similar to this, it was the Taiwanese church. And um, every, every week after the service, we would have... Um, a meal together, we would have lunch, and uh, I was, I grew up in that church, and so, you know, around youth, like when I was in youth group, there was this guy named Philip, and he would always be there, he wasn't like, he didn't seem like always really very involved, or very, um, you know, he, he was kind of quiet, and, but you know, he was always there, for every Sunday, um, he always came to the services, and um, one, one day after, you know, a few years of him being involved, sort of involved, <laughs> Um, he shared uh, during our youth group retreat as to how God has been working in his life. And he talked about how when he first started coming to church, he actually came for the free food. 
And, but the food was a way that kept bringing him back so that he eventually encountered God and God moved in his life. And today he's passionately serving the Lord in California in his church. And even when I became, uh, when I went on a missions trip, he was one of my biggest um, financial supporters because he just, you know, loved what God is doing and he wanted to be part of that. But it all started with free food and, you know, God used that. So food is the connection that um, he had with the church and we can use this tool too as we want to share Jesus. We need to be aware of the potential of every meal that we have together. Not just the formal ones, but also the informal ones. Um, when we eat together, we have the opportunity to share Jesus. And, you know, I found that in a lot of churches, it's not very common to have meals together. Maybe it's um, hard to lo logistically, you know, especially if you have a big church, to figure out how to you know, coordinate it all. But, I mean, I know that here you guys have potlucks every now and then as well. Um, you know, it's good to have meals together. Small groups have meals together. You can also you know, go invite someone and go eat together. Um, eating is an opportunity for not the food, but the, for sharing. Romans 12, 13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hebrews 13, 2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. When we share hospitality, we're, we're taking it to the next level. So, um, I love potlucks. It's like people make stuff that I never would have imagined them making, or I, you know, I don't usually make that. So when someone makes it, I'm just like, hey. um, and sometimes I have a recipe that I love to share and. You know, I wonder who's going to eat it. I wonder if I'm going to come home and eat, you know, this thing for the next week or if it's going to be empty and it was a hit. Um, and, you know, maybe you love potlucks too. And there's a story in the Bible about a potluck. This was in Corinth, and the believers in Corinth were having potlucks every week. And they call these agape meals or a love feast. And this meal ori originally included the Lord's, um, the Lord's Supper with the communion. What we just had... That was at, came at the end of their potluck together. And so what happened in this particular situation was that there were rich people in this church and there were poor people in this church. Um, and, you know, it was a community, just like the communities that we live where, where there's poor people and um, rich people. And the rich people would bring really great food. And the food was so good that when they brought it in and they ate it, they would go and have a second helping, third helping, but the problem is when the poor people came in, you know, they might have been rushing in from work. They might have not brought much with them, if anything at all. Um, when they came in, there wasn't anything, the plates were empty. There wasn't anything left to drink. They had to, there was like bones for them to pick through. And the Apostle Paul, he was super upset with that. There's, he saw what was going on and he said, there's something wrong here. And he addresses this issue in 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34. To the rich people, he was saying, when you eat, you're thinking only about yourselves. That's a problem, because you are disgracing the church. You're humiliating those people who have nothing. And when you ignore the needs of others, you're sinning against the Lord. This meal isn't about you. This is about the Lord. It's the Lord's supper. And then he points out that 
Jesus was an example uh, to us because his body was broken for us. He's an example of sacrifice, of putting the needs of other people first. And, you know, his practical suggestion is, you know, if you're really hungry, if you're starving, have a snack before you show up. Because when we come together, it's not about the food. It's about being together. It's about sharing. And we wait for each other. And so through this potluck fiasco here, we learn something important about what, what eating is all about. Let me tell you a story about my dad. He is um, a smart, hardworking, responsible person. We immigrated from uh, Brazil, and he uh, he had another career. But then when we came here, he went back to college. He got a degree in engineering. Um, we came with not very much, but he saved. He was really thrifty. Um, he was really good at like fixing things. So when we would go to garage sales, he would buy like broken radios or whatever. He come home, fix them up, and they would work. And he could fix the car. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's just he could fix anything. So um, I, he was a good provider. And he paid for my sister and I both to go to college, grad school. But the funny thing about him is he approached mealtimes with the same level of focus and intensity. So mm -hmm. when we eat, we usually have the, um, the custom of praying before meals. So we would pray and then we would eat and he would, he would get it done. And, and we didn't notice anything was wrong until one day when we were in college, my sister and I were, you know, all eating together and with him and my mom, and she called him out on this. She said, Dad, when most people eat, they talk to each other. Yes, he got the job done, but when we eat, we have, it's not just about the eating, it's, it's about the opportunity to do something else. It's about the opportunity to share our lives. Mm -hmm. So eating is an opportunity to share our lives. Uh, when we eat, we're connecting with people. Eat, eating is a shared human need across cultures, and food is an easy topic of uh, it's an easy topic of conversation, but it's also a, a facilitator of conversation. <laughs> it's a point of connection with people, and it provides proximity to someone so that they can see Jesus inside of you. Um, just like in the Alpha Course, you guys have the Alpha Course. You start out with a meal because you want to connect. You want to that's the important um, thing that you're trying to do here is you're trying to connect people. And um, Bill referred, referred to eating as a low threat, um, a powerful social lubricant. You don't have to sell someone on it. You know, you might have to sell them on it, on, you know, going to a Bible study if they don't know anything about the Bible or they've never been to one. But everybody eats, and we can all do that together. So we can use food as an opportunity um, to connect with people. We don't we don't have to just wait for someone to come knock on our door and be like, hey, share with me, you know, about Jesus. Or like, hey, who are you? Um, you know, those don't really normally come, um, those kind of opportunities. But when you go and you invite someone, then you're making that opportunity happen. Um, my husband and I, um, and Megan, my daughter there, we live in an apartment complex. We've been living in Houston for um, three years, about. And... We've had a lot of opportunity to meet people from different cultures. Um, and you know, Kevin loves to be out in the pool area, meeting people, he's super social. And um, when Megan was about, or she was turning six, and we had a pool party, as we usually do, um, we, uh, I made this like really big cake, and um, 
And well, so I, I didn't really know how much cake to make, so I just made a lot. So we had a lot of cake. And so Kevin just, um, he noticed that there was two ladies over there sitting by the pool. And so he just brought them some cake. And um, through that, through that simple act of just like, hey, would you like some cake? We started building friendships with um, her family. Um, eventually, we started inviting them over to our home to um, have meals and uh, we ate together, we uh, had plans <coughs> together, and uh, we found out some of their needs, praying for them. Um, they started coming to our church, and that cake was the open door. Those meals were an opportunity, and all it took was for us to step out of our world into their world. And we used the food as an excuse to connect with them. You know, the weird thing, though, is that Jesus is actually criticized for eating. Um, in Luke 7, 33-34, Jesus was talking some of the, to some of the religious leaders, and he said, John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. But the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, look at this glutton and drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus came eating and drinking. He wasn't criticized for eating too much or getting drunk. He was criticized for having a good time with people that nobody liked, for hanging out with people who did bad things. He didn't just eat with them, though. He was their friend. He knew how to listen to them, how to make them feel important. And even when he didn't agree with their choices and lifestyles, he cared about them. And he didn't just preach to them. He really cared about them. He cared about people that nobody else noticed. And he shared food with them. And he shared his life with them. The Apostle Paul describes his ministry this way. We cared so deeply that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. First Thessalonians 2.8. When we eat together, we have an opportunity to share the gospel not merely with our words, but with our lives as a demonstration of the power of the gospel. Jesus said that everyone will know that we're his disciples if we love one another. <coughs> John 13, 35. You know, the greatest opportunity for ministry that God has given to you, probably, is your family. That's um, the closest influence that you have. You probably spend the most time with them have the most meals with them. And so the greatest opportunity to share your life is with them. But unfortunately, um, many of us tend to treat our family members the worst because you know we can only put a good face on for so long. But when we come home, we're tired, we're hungry, and then our true character comes out. And then people closest to us see what's inside of us. But when we're submitted to God, it affects the way we treat our spouse. We become more patient with the kids. And we speak to our parents with respect. It wasn't by accident that God put you with these people. Even though sometimes it may feel quite annoying with them. But God sent you on a mission. And he put you with them on purpose. And as we change our habits to become more missional, we change the way that we are at home because 
That's who we become. We are the same person, whether outside our home or inside our home, because it's the same God in our hands. In Luke 7, Jesus points out, he who has been forgiven little, loves little. So if we're going to be someone who can love the way God loves, we need a deeper experience of God's forgiveness. There's a beautiful prayer of forgiveness in Psalms 51, 10 to 13. So can we turn there if you have a Bible? I don't have a PowerPoint, but if you want to take a look at it as well, I haven't actually turned it with Bible open yet to anywhere. But this is a really good scripture of, you know, what it means to ask God for forgiveness. Psalms 51, 10 to 13. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Well, we're talking about being missional. We're trying to go out there and do all this stuff. But, you know, this, this song here is, is reminding us that before we go and teach anybody God's ways, we need a clean heart. We need a renewed spirit. We can't give what we don't have. And God wants you to experience his mercies, his forgiveness. He wants you to have the joy of being right with him and to live in truth and righteousness. So you're so full of his love that you can't help but let it spill out to someone, let it spill out to those people around you. The danger of being missional can be so focused on doing the thing that we forget to be who it is God wants us to be. And when someone's looking at you, that's what they're looking at. They're not looking at your words necessarily. They're looking at your life. And God wants us to come from a place of abundance where we are so full of his love and his life. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. So this is my last point. Eating is an opportunity to submit to God. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we're sharing a meal, it's not about the food. It's about an opportunity to let God work in us and through us. Mark 17, 15, Jesus said, It's not about what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. The Lord criticized the religious leaders for cleaning the outside of the cup and the dish, looking good on the outside. People think that they're great. They're very religious. But on the inside, they were full of greed and wickedness. So as important it is, as it is to eat healthy and to enjoy the food that we eat, it's not about the food. It's about what's on the inside of your heart. It's about how you conduct yourself when you're eating. Um, we wanna, if we want to be questionable people, we have to do things differently. You know, normal is when we complain about the food when the 
service is slow. Being questionable is when you're patient and you're thankful. Normal is when someone yells at you and you yell back, when they insult you and you think of something better to say to insult them back. Being questionable is when you don't repay evil for evil, when you bless those who curse you, when you pray for your enemies. Someone lies to you and tries to hurt you, but you still have your joy. Questionable is when you forgive because you've been forgiven and you take steps to reconcile. When people see that you're living a life that's not self-centered, but it's centered on Christ, and that you're trying to live to please him, and that you hear his voice, that you obey him, that's when people are going to start asking questions. Romans 8, 5 to 14. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according with the Spirit have their minds their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then through your, then though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, and it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For you live, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So living as the children of God, when we share a meal with someone, we're listening to God. We're led by the Spirit. We're paying attention to how God is working in that person's life. We're listening to how God wants to use us for his, to express his extraordinary love. We're ready to give an answer for the hope that's inside of us. And not just to the people that you're eating with, but to the people that are around you, people that pass by. When you let God have his way in your life, then God can do miracles in and through you. In Luke 10, 5 through 9, Jesus appointed 72 of his disciples to go ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. And his instructions was, when you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Not just that, though. It says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Look and see what their needs are. If they're sick, then heal them. And, and you know, that's a step of faith, right? Because it's not your power, it's God's power. But if you're willing to step out in that, and to ask to pray for that person instead of going, oh, poor you. You know what? God wants to do a miracle. Because the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is Lord. And when we surrender ourselves to him, we are open to receiving his power. And then we start looking at these ordinary circumstances like eating and drinking, sharing a meal, spending time together as opportunities. 
So whatever situation God has put you in, ask God what he wants you to do. Live by the Spirit. And when you step out in faith, God can surprise the world for you. Let's pray. Lord, give us eyes to see those who've been rejected, those who have maybe given up on you. Lord, you have not given up on them, and you have not given up on us. Lord, we are not able. We don't have that power unless it's through you. Lord, fill us. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, let us be so full of your love that it spills out to those around us. Make our hearts grow so much that there's plenty of room for other people, and there's plenty of love to give. Lord, work in us, work through us. In Jesus' name.